0: Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to all of our kids for giving us that great presentation of the Christmas story this morning. That sets us up uh, to understand Christmas very well, and I appreciate that. Our message this morning is going to be a bit shorter, since the kids have already done such a great job recounting the Christmas story for us. And what I want to do is I want to pick up where they left off with that last S of Christmas. S is for Savior. In Luke chapter 2 verses 10 and 11 which we already heard this morning the angel says fear not for behold i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord what does it mean that jesus would be the savior it's really the heart of the christmas story because it tells us why Jesus came. So this morning, what I'd like to do is give you a very brief survey of what the Bible teaches about the Savior. And in doing this, my hope is that we walk away this Christmas with a greater appreciation for what Christmas is all about, and for why Jesus came. Well, first of all, if you go all the way back into the Old Testament, one of the first clues that we get has to do with Joshua. The word savior means deliverer, one who rescues his people. Now Joshua was the leader who took over after Moses, and he's the one who led God's people into the promised land. And Joshua's name means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is just the name for God that he gave to his people. And the name Jesus, is just an alternate version of Joshua. You may have heard the name Yeshua referring to Jesus. That's very similar to Joshua. It's just, it's the same name, just a different version of it. So Joshua gives us a bit of a picture of what a savior or deliverer is. He's one who leads his people into battle, leads them to victory. In Deuteronomy 31, Moses is about to die. Listen to what he says. Says Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So Joshua would be the one who would lead God's people in victory gaining the land that God had promised to them. Now we get another picture of what a savior is in Nehemiah chapter nine. Israel has been sinful, but they are returning to the Lord and they are repenting and the Levites are leading them as they read the law of God. And then the Levites begin recounting for all of the people of Israel, all that God has done for them throughout their history, bringing them out of Egypt giving them the land that he promised, all of those things. And then in the middle of that history that they're telling, we come across this in verse 27. In the time of their suffering, they cried out to you and you heard them from heaven. And according to your great mercy, you gave them saviors who saved them from the hand of their enemies. What saviors are they referring to? Well, they're talking about the judges, men like Gideon and Jephthah and Samson, men who delivered God's people from their oppressors. Like Joshua, they would fight on behalf of God's people to set them free from their enemies. So a savior is one who delivers God's people from their enemies. And then after we've had the Old Testament calling those men men, saviors we have something interesting in the book of isaiah the prophet through isaiah god says this a couple of times i'm just going to give you one example from isaiah chapter 43 god's speaking to israel he's reminding them how he has delivered them over and over again in their history and in there he says i am the lord your god the holy one of israel your savior God says that he is their savior. And in the same chapter, a little bit later, I am the Lord and besides me, there is no savior. And he continues to go on with how he's delivered them from their enemies over and over. So we've seen that a savior is one who delivers God's people from their enemies. Now we have God saying that ultimately, he is the only savior. So when Joshua and the judges and other people like that delivered God's people, that was ultimately God working through them to deliver his people. Now, throughout the Old Testament, we have promises of a coming deliverer, a savior. The the word for that that the Jewish people had was the Messiah. When we read the word Christ, it's the same word. It's the Messiah. Okay, and God's people were waiting for this promised deliverer to arrive. So when we get to the New Testament and we read the Christmas story, we find that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the new Joshua. He is the true deliverer of his people. And he is the Lord God himself, the Holy One of Israel, the only Savior. Come to us as a man. So think about what we find in the Christmas story. Mary, when she sings her song of praise in Luke 1, she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, I don't know if she really understood all that that meant, but she recognized that she was in need of a Savior and that God was her Savior and that this baby that she was going to give birth to would be the promised deliverer. The Savior. When the angel appeared to Joseph, the angel told him that Mary would have a son, and he told Joseph, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So, same name as Joshua, you're going to call him the deliverer. Why? Because he's going to save. He'll be a Savior. And he's going to save them from what? From their sins. Now, we tend to think today that the Jews were waiting for a military deliverer to free them from the Romans, and that's true, they were. And we think, well, instead, what Jesus was really doing was not anything to do with this world, but it was a spiritual deliverance from our sins. And it's true that he was come to deliver us from our sins, but both of those views on their own fall short. There's more to it. Did Jesus come to provide a spiritual deliverance from our sins, from the damage that our sin has done with our relationship with God, to provide a way for us to be with God for eternity rather than separated from him in hell? Yes, that's all true. And that's part of why the angel told Joseph to name him Jesus. Those who have faith in Jesus will be saved from their sins. And that's a spiritual deliverance. But this deliverer, Jesus, would also be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He came to establish a kingdom that will take hold in this world. The New Testament teaches us that after his death and resurrection, Jesus is seated on the throne ruling and reigning now until he puts all his enemies under his feet. Now, is his kingdom like the kingdoms of this world? No. His kingdom is not of or from this world, but this world is not excluded from his kingdom. Salvation, being saved by the Savior, is not just a get-out-of-hell-free card. Those who are truly saved are those who worship Christ the King, who submit to him in every area of life. Jesus is King over all. Every aspect of your life is subject to this King, this Savior. There's one more mention of Jesus as Savior in the Christmas story that we need to take a look at, In Luke chapter two, the angel says to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, this may be a little bit strange at first, but what I want to do is I wanna read for you an inscription from the city of Prien It's a Greek city that was part of the Roman Empire in Jesus' day. And this inscription is from the year 9 BC. So this is a couple years before Jesus was born. This is found on a government building in that city. Okay, and the inscription is about Augustus Caesar. Caesar Augustus, as we read it in our Christmas story. He's the Roman emperor who ordered the census that sent Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, okay? Here's what it says in part. The Emperor Augustus, who being sent to us and our descendants as savior, has put an end to war and has set all things in order. And whereas having become God manifest, Caesar has fulfilled all the hopes of earlier times The birthday of the God Augustus has been for the whole world the beginning of good news concerning him. Now, I just want to take you through that point by point. And what I want to do is draw your attention to how the Christmas story connects to this and some other places in the New Testament as well. First of all, Caesar, we're told, was sent to us and our descendants as savior. In the Christmas story, we read, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, Jesus is sent to us. Caesar, we're told, is a savior. And of course, we read in the Christmas story, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior. We're told that Caesar has put an end to war has set all things in order what is it that the angels say on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased we're also told that caesar having become god manifest or made known revealed appeared okay remember in this day the the romans had started deifying their emperor in other words they treated him as a god they believed that the current emperor was the the son of god so the the previous emperor when he died became a god coins are circulating in jesus day that talk about for instance tiberius caesar son of the divine augustus the emperor is claiming to be the son of god okay So having become God manifest, now listen to what Timothy writes later in the New Testament. And this is speaking about God's power and purpose and grace, which has now been manifested or made known through the appearing, the arrival of our savior, Jesus Christ. We're told in this inscription that Caesar has fulfilled all the hopes of earlier times. Now in the Christmas story, Four times Matthew says something like this. I'll just give you the one example. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Our inscription says that it's the birthday of the God Augustus that has been for the whole world the beginning of good news concerning him. And what are we told in the Christmas story? Unto you is born this day. It's his birthday. A savior who is Christ the Lord. Caesar, we are told, his arrival is for the whole world. The beginning of good news concerning him. What is it that the angels say? We bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And notice, of course, in the last line of this inscription, the beginning of good news concerning him. Good news is literally our word gospel. This is the gospel of Caesar, the good news. And what are we told? The angels are bringing good news, the gospel of great joy that will be for all the people. See, in the Roman Empire, anytime a Caesar was born or won a great victory, this was good news that was for all the people and it was celebrated in this way. And the gospel writers, Luke in particular, present the arrival of Jesus in language that is designed to subvert the claims of Caesar. You think Caesar is Lord? No. Jesus is Lord. That's part of what it means that he is the Savior. See, the Romans claimed that Caesar was the Savior. And the gospel writers are saying no it's so much more than that. Jesus is the savior. And here's the point. The Christmas story is about Jesus the savior, not just savior in your heart and not just another deliverer from the current oppressors, the Romans, but all of it wrapped together in one person greater than anyone imagined. He would save his people from their sins and he will rule and reign over all the earth, his kingdom having no end. Let me just finish with a few things that the rest of the New Testament says about Jesus. John 4, 42, we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world, talking about Jesus. He's the only Savior, and he's the Savior not just of the Jews, but of the whole world. That doesn't mean every single person. What it means is all those who have faith in him, Jew or Gentile will be part of his worldwide kingdom. But the call is to respond in faith. Whoever you are. Acts 5.31, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. Again, it's Caesar language. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. He is the only true Savior, the only one who can rescue us from our sins. And 1 John 4, 14, We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Jesus is the Savior. Not Caesar, not Trump, or DeSantis, or Biden, or Newsom, not Elon Musk. Not the next person that everybody is enamored with, that everybody wants to follow. Jesus is the only Savior. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Christmas is the announcement that this Savior has come to earth to deliver his people. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the reminder that we've received this morning from our kids that Jesus is the savior and that is the heart of Christmas. All of the other things that come with it, all of the the lights and the gifts and the trees and the traditions and all of those things, they're all good things. In fact, they're actually really good things if they serve their purpose of pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is the only savior. If there are some here this morning who have not turned in faith to jesus and trusted him for salvation i pray that you would be at work in their hearts to come to understand this good news that jesus can deliver from sin he is the true and only savior he is the king of kings and the lord of lords and for those here this morning who are followers of jesus i pray that at this christmas season our understanding of the Savior would not be too small. That we would have an expansive, full view of what it means that Jesus is the Savior. Help us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.